The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, we get introduced to a character that's dumb as a box of rocks. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. He's made of a box of rocks. That's what it is. I'm offended on his behalf. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 253, Night of the Super Assassins. Published July 1979. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. Who are the Super Assassins, and why do they blame the Legion for the death of their planet? Issues 253 and 254 this week, Matthew. We are going to kill us yes. some Legion members. Yes. You know what I really love about issue 253? Issue 253 starts with a cover. Uh, and the cover is by Dick Giordano, who at the time I think may have been DC's editor-in-chief. But it shows the evil villains busting through the door, yes. like smashing down the wall. And Superboy's like, hey, are you here to join the Legion? No, Superboy, we've not come to join. We've come to destroy you all. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, Block looks Superboy. like Block looks like um, uh, that one guy from the uh, Herculoids. And they've <laughs> like got that, Higu. yeah, yeah. And they've got that blue guy riding a chair like Metron. Yeah, so the blue guy bothers me. The blue guy actually is is behind one of the theories, uh, the conspiracy theories about conspiracy the, theories about this uh, 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 unimpressive uh, two issue run. Yeah, we'll we'll go into that later. Uh, well, let's get into it now. I mean, might as well, right? <laughs> so the Legion of Super Assassins bust through the wall in right. this first uh, story. Yeah, and they're like, okay. We are mad because six Legionnaires killed our planet. And they didn't kill their planet. They just didn't, they weren't able to rescue everyone off of this. This was, they were doing a rescue mission and they weren't able to get everyone off in time. Yeah, but they were babies. They didn't know any better. But 253 actually opens with a really cool, cool opening sequence with like crazy statin spaceships, right? And then we meet the members of the Legion of Super Assassins, who, by the way, never call themselves that. No, and in fact, they don't even call themselves by themselves. Like, you're a fine (laughs) one to talk, cousin, or or shouldn't I call you by your new name, Block? Which is like one of the dumbest lines of dialogue in this, because why make reference that you had a different name, but now you have a new name, and we're not going to reference your previous name. She could have just said, you're the fine one to talk, cousin. Uh, or, you know, Block, who is my cousin from another, you know, dimension or another person or whatever, because I am made of metal and you are made of rock. Right. Well, and there, there's there's weirdness about Block because, yeah, anyway. So the I want to know about this conspiracy theory. 
this conspiracy theory. Okay, so here's the deal. The Legion of Super Assassins consists of six guys. There's well, six a guy, people. well, yeah, six characters, two women, four men, right. or three men, two women, and a block. Right. So there is a girl who's super strong with yeah. red hair. Yeah. Uh, there's she's a guy that, with She's that one that uh, tried to marry Superman. Right. There's a guy with energy powers. Yeah. There's a wild and crazy person with slasher things. Yeah. Right. There's a Danger big film. guy. There's a pseudo telepath in a wheelchair. And I keep seeing people on the internet saying, well, this is clearly Roy Thomas writing the X-Men. And I'm really? like, first of all, this is Jerry Conway. And second of all, there is nothing about the super assassins that implies X-Men other than one of them is in a wheelchair and one of them has big silver claws. But I keep seeing people referring to them as these are X-Men derived characters. These so are one of them is supposed to, so the block is supposed to be like Colossus. And then we have uh, Professor silver X as the dude in Wolverine, the Wolverine. Tracks as Professor X. But then you have the guy who turns into mist and the guy who turns into a laser. And the big strong so one, red hair girl. One guy is Cyclops and the other one is supposed to be um uh Nightcrawler. Disappearing in a puff. And then Medusa. Right. And it's dumb. Or Jean Grey. Jean Medusa. Yeah. I'm sorry, let's take a step back. Did you just imply that Medusa is an X-Man? <laughs> I was gonna say, if anything, these would remind me more of of um the new the the new not the new humans, the um, the Inhumans. The Inhumans, yeah. Rather rather than, than anything else. Right. Well, and, you know, the, the problem that we have is that this is about the time, I think about 77 or so, where the Imperial Guard was appearing or had just appeared in X-Men comics. Hmm. And so, you know, th this issue was, uh, it was on the stands in May of 79. It's dated July of 79. Right. But the, the thing about it is people are trying to make connections and say, well, this is clearly DC's X-Men. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. So here's the thing about conspiracy theories. Um, first of all, there are some fun conspiracy theories, right? Like the government has UFOs at a secret base in the desert and all those or, weird or lights that you see. No, but then there's no then there's dumb conspiracy theories that uh, back in 1968 or 58 or whatever it was. Uh, the CIA killed all the birds in the world and replaced them with drones. That's a dumb conspiracy theory. And then you've got the whole, you know, things that you can go down the rabbit hole of QAnon and everything that goes uh, right. with that. Paul but, McCartney died in the summer of 67 and was, re and was replaced by a guy named Clarence. Now, see, that might be a fun conspiracy theory to, to look at, right? But the League of Super Assassins are DC's answer to the X-Men is what I would consider a dumb conspiracy theory. It's, it's Someone, you know, we talk about writers trying to answer questions that no one is asking. This is someone connecting dots that aren't really there because this particular issue doesn't give you any reason to believe that these are even X-Men derivative characters. They all come from a, a different planet. Well, they all come from the same planet, but it's not the same planet that it should be. Right. I'm very, I'm very mad about this story's introduction and what well, we later end up learning retcons about Block's origin. Yeah. So, I mean, were they all trans? They weren't all transformed into these creatures, right? No. Um, so the Silver Lady I'm, and Block are supposed to be cousins, but they're two totally different species. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this well, is. I'm not really. I'm not really thrilled time, with this story. Yeah, I'm not really thrilled. The way with this, this story. story is written and the dialogue in the story implies that all six of them are somehow, you know, 
I hate to use the word after mocking people with their X-Men theories, but mutants, right. uh, characters who gained powers and block is, I think implied strongly to be just another member of this, you know, this humanoid, uh, Caucasian race again, who turned into a stone beast. But we later find out different things about block and his origin that kind of throw these things. And of course, in these stories, we also, uh, they refer to their planet by a different name because by the time we actually find out Block's backstory, when he joins the Legion, he is considered to be a member of the Dryad race. Right. And the planet is called Dryad. Yeah. But in this issue, we actually have Lazon come out and say, hey, this, you know, we've come from the secret planet Corlon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just... I don't know. I'm annoyed about it, but it does have some exciting bits to it. I mean, uh, I, let's before we get into any, any kind of exciting bits, which are few and far between, um, <laughs> let's let's get into one more conspiracy theory. OK. And that is um, that there are secret wires holding up uh, Timberwolf's head, and that's why his hair has horns. His hair goes nuts. I don't I do not. I do not understand why suddenly Timberwolf has horns. Uh, this is not a fashion statement. Again, this feels like, um, you know, for the longest time when, when they had uh, Wolverine with his mask and, you know, the mask flares up into that, that cool design, pretty much like Timberwolf's uh, hair here yeah. that everyone just assumed that when he takes his helmet off, that that front shield part of his helmet actually is the way his hair really is. And right. so through the late 80s and through the 90s, anytime he would take his, his helmet off or you would see Logan with his with, out of costume, he always had this really crazy like horn hair, which is nothing like Wolverine's costume would. I mean, that's that that's a shield on the front of Wolverine's mask. You know, it's not a it's not a space that's like I'm going to just tuck my hair up in here. And when I take it off, I got a hat head and it just makes me look like I have these weird flares. Timberwolf <laughs> having these horns makes zero sense it is dumb it is stupid and i gotta say joe statton uh you're dumb i wonder if it wasn't a conscious attempt to avoid the the wolverine parallels because by this point in time the x-men would start being a pretty big thing give him a widow's peak Right, and that's all you need. Widow's peak in his white eyes, and that's all you need. He doesn't do snickety snick. He doesn't say bub. He doesn't have a dark demeanor, though. Snick bub. Uh, Doesn't he? Oh my god, he goes full on nihilist. Comfort makes you weak. Yeah, he sounds like literally. It sounds like an interview with Werner Herzog. I swear, he's like sitting here. Ah, I've been shot, but it is an insignificant wound. Yeah, it's really bizarre, especially since you know he's talking to the woman that he loves, you know, the woman that he joined the Legion of superheroes to be with. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, love, do not talk into riddles. When I look into the eyes of the bears, I see nothing but chaos in an uncaring universe. Yes. Do, do not, do not play this tape ever again. Right. Don't play this tape. It's just the elephant, but he gets really, really weird and existential. And it's just, it doesn't, I don't it doesn't like to fit. say that Conway's Timberwolf is awful, but Conway's Timberwolf, I feel like they tried to go back to the lone wolf um, right. characterization right. that at this point hasn't been in play for more than 10 years. 
and just suddenly suddenly shoehorn it in and it just feels very awkward and very ill-fitting. And I'm and I'm wondering for the people who would have read this at the time as these issues were coming out, if that felt jarring or if they had been reading this for a long time, if they're suddenly like, yeah, this is the Timberwolf I remember. Right. You know, and it's it's definitely possible. One of the things that Conway brought to the Legion at this point was some Marvel style melodrama. You know, and we see it in the God help us in the ridiculous uh Oh my God, RJ brand is broke. You guys subplot. (laughs) That's a very Marvel thing. I mean, that is a story where it's like, Hey, Spider-Man has no money. Neither is RJ brand. And this issue has a little bit of that. We see it when, uh, Timberwolf gets attacked and the silver slasher is like, ha ha, I rip off your face. I do not care. But I feel like, first of all, the fact that these six legionnaires happen to be on duty. At mm-hmm. the point, you know, the six legionnaires that they wanted to target happened to be on duty together when they attacked. Just feels like, oh, you did not. I think mean, that kind of story contrived contrived storytelling is not horrible, um, you know, because that you do got to get into that plot somehow. And as a, as opposed to splitting up the the bad guys and, and going and taking them on one on one, I think it, it makes a little bit more sense for that to happen. Um, but yeah, the story just is a little weird and not really great. So at one point they all decide that it's party time. And so they go out to, uh, you know, uh, a helium (laughs) place. Yeah. They go out to some nightclubs and they're bemoaning their, their loneliness and the fact that Superboy can't have sex with anyone in the future because it might come back to haunt him in some way, shape or form. Not seeing uh, who, but we've met her before. Um, her initials are LL. Everyone's initials are LL. Yes. Uh, block. His initials are LL. Saturn That's girl. Right. Her initials are LL. <laughs> Everyone is Lois Kang the Lane, Conqueror. Lana Lang, Lori Lamoris. <laughs> Everyone Luma is Lina. Kang the Conqueror. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about their friendship in high school? I'm just saying. Yeah. But, uh, and so the fact that they go out and party and they go into the, uh, whatever the heck that, uh, helium place is. Oh, I'm sorry. New Aquarius nightclub where they're they're dancing in the cooling crystalline a tank of cooling crystalline uh, actually uh, pays off later on because uh, the League of Assassins goes and tries to take down each of these members. And of course, they they take down Colossal Boy and they try to take down um, Light Lass and Timberwolf and they try to take down all these other ones and they think that they've defeated them all. But oh, no. Superboy is there and he has uh, miraculously saved them all by using his uh, lungs? His lung vision? Well, I do like the fact that when Colossal Boy goes down, he takes an entire city block with Which, him. Which, you know, we've seen that. We've seen that before back when he was fighting Omega. Uh, yeah. When Omega, like, just grabs his foot and flips him back and he crashes down on all these buildings and everything. So we've seen that before, but it is kind of cool to see him yeah. smash. I'm afraid though, that this is going to be the thing, right? Colossal boy gets big and then he destroys, you know, right. the lives of 15,000 people living in, um, Those Metropolis. buildings were abandoned. They were all abandoned. Oh yes, I'm sure they were. So there That's is true. one, sir, there is a couple of things that mm-hmm. I did find kind of interesting as we're going through this. You did mention that, you know, the Legion headquarters is smashed. They go and they uh, go to appeal to the United Planets 
And they're like, hey, we need a new headquarters to protect Metropolis, which, you know, you'd think that if you are supporting a group of heroes, that their headquarters would be a primary importance, or at least Mm -hmm. getting them a temporary headquarters would be a primary importance. And uh, who is it? Boltax or whoever the head of the UP is like, uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, we just don't have, we're too busy rebuilding the rest of the infrastructure yep. to worry about building you a headquarters right now. And I started thinking, well, you know, how long does it take the future to rebuild a portion of a city? And so I started doing some research because there are only a few cities that we have known that have been completely destroyed or nearly destroyed. And the one that, that came to my mind was the reconstruction of Dresden after the bombings of World War II, Dresden, Germany, which pretty much that city was leveled. If you've read any Kurt Vonnegut, he was actually in the bombing of Dresden. He was actually on the ground in a bunker as that uh, came down. He was he was part of a um, prisoners of war. And when that was over, he was tasked with helping to clean up uh, as a prisoner of war. But I, I went and did some research. It took roughly 30 years for them to rebuild Dresden. It probably could have gone faster, except we had a little thing called the Cold War and the Iron Curtain and the Berlin Wall and all of right. these things that went up that prevented uh, Western countries coming in and providing relief and providing the funding and trying to help rebuild the city of Dresden. So the city of Dresden, if I remember correctly, wasn't really complete until after the Berlin Wall, uh, after after Russia fell, essentially, so that they could go back in and get all that other stuff. Because the reports that I read was essentially um, there were still large swaths of areas of Dresden under Russian control that were just still piles of rubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it does take a while to to rebuild these things. I know here in Kansas, for example, there was a very small town that was struck by a tornado back in the early 2000s. And uh, it took about two years for them to rebuild that small town. Now, that included the high school and all the homes around there. But we're talking about a high school that has, you know, a graduating class of like 20 people in the right. in the senior group. So it, we're not talking about something that is, you know, nine miles square or anything like that. We're probably talking something that's like two or three miles square. So you figure that take the size of the damage take the square kilometers of that and and each kilometer is going to take a year to rebuild. I can see where the United Planets is like, no, we need to go take care of these other things first. We've got people living in, you know, in these shelters that we need to get their lives back in order. We can't have them living in trailers forever. Uh, And so it's, it's going to take some time. So that was the one thing that actually sounded somewhat reasonable in their excuse to say, hey, we're not going to build your your city right now. And you think even with superpowers, it's still probably going to take a while to get that done. Yeah, unless you're Superman. I mean, Superman builds cities and his, you know, his I mean, yes, but uh, you know, and, and so on the flip side of that, I, I would be very interested to see, and I'm, I'm not saying I wish this upon a country or a society or anything like that, right. but it would be interesting to see how quickly a city could be rebuilt. If it was destroyed by, let's say an earthquake Mm-hmm. And you had uh, the Chinese people come in and rebuild a city because they can you can watch online and go and see stories and reports where they literally will build a 10 story hospital in 24 hours. I I have to wonder, you know, what kind of of 
you know, codes they're following, if they're following any <laughs> codes at all. But, you know, they they come together in China and they will build entire cities in a year. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wonder when we look at, you know, if we're following safety codes and those kinds of things compared to let's just let Superman put it all back together. Right. If that is if there's something in between that still leads to about five or 10 years for Metropolis to rebuild that small section that needs to be rebuilt. It's possible. Oh, by the way, for those of you who have been paying attention, uh, the appearance of President Boltax means the return of Boltax Watch. Yeah. Uh, the last time we saw Kandrew Boltax, or Kandro Boltax, depending on who you ask, he had white hair and brown skin. He's now back to being Caucasian with uh, a brown curly hair and a porn mustache, uh, which, you know, probably dates this issue to the mid-1970s. But, uh, again, I'm pretty sure Boltax at this point is a Durlin. That's the only answer. I mean, we will find out. <laughs> yeah, so this, is, so this issue ends. I kind of gave away 254. This issue ends with uh, the League of Assassins taking out all six, or all five of the Legion of Superheroes, because Superboy is the next one to die. But I got to say, the, the writing in this issue feels stiff. Yeah. I don't think that there was a lot of time spent in really building up the drama of killing five members of the Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like a Legion story. And I'm trying to remember, I'm racking my brain to see if my brain can tell you the difference between these stories from Jerry Conway and then the stories that come back uh, for Paul Levitz when well, Levitz comes back. Jerry Conway's on this for like, for probably the rest of this grouping of shows that we're recording. Yeah. I think another, like another year or a year and a half, but. And Roy Thomas doesn't come back until 81. Yeah. I think when, when Levitz and Giffen come back, it's either 81 and 82 or 82. But yeah, I don't remember whether or not any of the Conway stories are good. Uh, well, and that's because, a, and that's sad because it is it is as of this recording, we are recording on uh, 1979's issue. Yep. And as I said, uh, Roy Thomas uh, and Paul Levitz don't come back until 82. So we've got yeah, three years. Yeah, September of 80, 82. So, yeah, there's several years between probably here and, and 10 then. more episodes of probably, us complaining. probably. And also, I think that. Joe Statton is probably the main artist on a lot of these, although I see some other names scattered throughout. There's a, there's actually a Steve Ditko issue coming up. That's there is. Uh, St- I think it's actually a Ditko does a few backups, uh, but okay. yeah, Staten is at this point considered to be the primary, uh, Legion artist at this point in time. Okay. We are going to take a quick break and we're going to jump into issue 254 and we're going to find the magical way that they get out of this problem. But uh, first, take a listen to this. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So I noticed um, um, your particular copies... Mm-hmm. of 253 and 254 yes are very different from what we would normally see uh because they on are. the cover instead of the normal DC logo that we would normally see 
we see what looks like the DC logo, the bullet logo, but there's like a W head in there. What's going on with this? Well, what I own, and I actually own a lot of these because I used to, you know, work in a comic store and I would specifically go and find them. You would specifically steal these before anyone else could? I did not steal them. I put them in my personal stash and bought them at 40% off. But uh, (laughs) what we have here are Whitman. um, Basically, they refer to them as Whitman variants. Um, Oh, the candy comics. Yeah. The Whitman Comics Company uh, was actually owned by Western Publishing, who also had Gold Key Comics. And at one point, I want to say was partially Dell Comics. But Whitman variants were something that happened in the 1970s because they would essentially take new books and print them with the Whitman logo. You'll also note that there's no number on the cover. Whitman right. variants don't have a number on the cover because they are sold in three packs. In, oh yeah. I remember you know, these. Your, yeah. Your drug stores, your S and S drugs or your, yeah, your when, I was walls. A, when I was a kid, but they would sell them like three for a dollar. Right. Am I thinking of the same thing? Cause I think I ended up with a bunch of these with star Wars where mm-hmm. um, our local town and country, and I know Jason Inman, who does a lot of the voiceover work, knows about town and country. Uh, it's kind of like your Ace Hardware uh, kind of thing, but it's more country themed, but it still had your hardware supplies and mower blades and those kind of things. But uh, my mom would occasionally go in and buy a three pack of comics for a buck. And so I'd get like a Star Wars and a Looney Tunes and something else in this. Is those this what we're talking were, about here? Those were probably actually back issues being resold. Ah, okay. These were actually dir- something like the direct market. They were directly to stores and you'd see them, they would sell them in places that weren't your regular, you know, newsstands. They had newsstands in the 1970s. So they'd sell them in toy stores. I remember picking them up at the local uh, five and dime store mm. and you would have a poly bag with three comics inside. Um, a lot of times when you see a Whitman variant, you're going to be like, oh, well, this is a funny book or an uncle Scrooge or a super goof, something like that. But yeah, you remember a few years ago when we covered that fourth issue of the black hole that yes. was so hard to yeah, find yeah, 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 yeah. beyond the black hole. Number four was a Whitman variant that only appeared in a three pack hmm. and is ridiculously rare and like a hundred bucks now to try and find for a, a quarter. Comic but you still book, never but, knew what you were getting in that three pack, right? Cause you were, there was always the middle comic that was like, okay, I can see <laughs> what this side is and I can see what the other side is, but what's the comic in the middle? Were these packaged as 253, 254, 255, or was this, here's a Legion book. Here's a Batman book. Here's a Bugs Bunny book. It depends. Um, I know that when, when you go and you look for them, First of all, very rarely do you ever find them still in the pre. Oh yeah, in the packages. Yeah, those those bags have come apart. But you also look at in a given month. Excuse me, I have the hiccups now. You also look at in a given month. You may only have Legion two fifty three, but again, it doesn't have a number on the cover, so you don't even know. Mm-hmm. So what you would see, and I actually looked this up before we did the show. The Whitman variant of 254. Right. Uh, the second appearance of Block and the uh, League of Assassins goes for about $12 in a near mint shape as a regular comic and $20 in near mint as the Whitman variant. How does. So you said $12 for the DC, $20 right. for the Whitman. Yeah. So basically half again or almost twice as much. The Whitman comics can be valued considerably higher. And 
again, if you're looking for a, a Whitman DC comic, you're going to see the regular DC, the blue bullet that they used in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instead of the DC logo, you're going to see the big W. And what can be confusing with a Whitman variant, again, is when you're looking at you have to look inside the front cover to find out even what issue you're dealing with. So every once in a while, you have someone come in and go, I think I have a really rare comic from 1934. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, you've got a Whitman bag book from 1979. Well, I mean, it's not so bad. I'm, I'm curious, it's though, because besides the cover, mm-hmm. everything else is the same on the inside, right? So you still had the same letters pages. You still had the exact same ads. You just the only difference was Whitman and they were selling them in the Piggly Wiggly instead of um, at, uh, you know, at, at Jim's Five and Dime. Yeah, essentially, it was a profit center for DC because they were literally being paid by this secondary distributor to sell their books for them. Hmm. Interesting. So you know, DC would be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a print run of this, and it goes into the bag, and then Whitman pays them." And when you'd go and you'd buy that, you know, three for a dollar pack or whatever it was, they were actually roughly. Well, let's see. Three fifty cent books would be a buck fifty. So you're actually saving money if you're buying three comics for a yeah. dollar nine or a dollar twenty nine. Yeah, forty forty cents is what the cover is uh, price is on two fifty four. Yep. So I mean, the Whitman thing is one of those interesting, really weird things that you only see like the late seventies, early eighties in comics. But when the first time you run into them, I had a few in my initial run when I was collecting Justice League. Mm-hmm. First time you run into that, you're like. I have no idea what this is. Yeah, I remember we've talked about this before, and I and I just was like, ah, I can't remember why we're getting the uh, the W head here. Is this some KB Toys uh, uh, tie-in or something? But uh, yeah, that's good to re- to remind uh, me what that is, and of course, everyone else who didn't know what the Whitman variant covers are, you've learned a little bit uh, this week in this show. So there you go. Uh, why don't you head over to our Patreon page and thank us by becoming a patron? Patreon.com/slash Major Spoilers. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 254. A Madman Shall Lead Them. Published August 1979. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. Six Legionnaires are dead. Or are they? Okay, the conclusion of this story. Or at least part part of this conclusion to the story. This conclusion to this part of this part of the story. Uh, we figure out that uh, Superboy inhaled all the the crystalline gas, and he was blowing Crystal it on it. gas. Yes. Yeah, he was blowing it on everybody, and so they really aren't dead. And the only way that they are able to figure out how to save their friends and revive them and defeat the League of Assassins is by going to the local loony bin. First of all, it's you know an insane asylum. And it's the 30th century, so it's probably got a, a much no. Name. I've I've got a I've got a, a panel uh, from <laughs> a previous issues ago that basically says, nope, he's still a raving loony. That's true. Well, and you know, it is 1979, even though it's the future. Yes. But yes, so they go. Superboy to goes to Brainiac, Brainiac Five. five. <sighs> yeah. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. As we talked before about uh, Jim Starlin and Brainiac 5 going insane and having to be locked away and just being fed up with nobody respecting him, 
for his uh, superiority, etc. I, I kind of wish they would have left him like that, but it almost feels like, yes, we already talked about the editorial going in and changing the, the storyline to which he was not happy with that. Mm-hmm. But man, it just feels like DC is backpedaling as fast as they can to say, no, 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 we can't have a Legion without, without Brainiac 5. I wonder if it's editorial or if it's just the writer, because Jerry Conway seems to really dig Brainiac 5. And, you know, this issue starts with Superboy, who is, by the way, a super genius, Superboy right. slash Superman. I mean, I can't remember what his intellect is compared to Brainiac. Like Brainiac 5 is like a 12th level, level intellect. Yes. And Superman I want to say like Superman is, is like 10. 10. Yeah. Okay. But you also have to look into this situation of he's Superboy, so maybe he's a 7.5. But yeah, Superboy goes to Brainiac he's 5. Still and this smarter. is puzzling to me. He's still smarter than the average bear. He should have been able to figure this uh, out. Hey, boo-boo, I'm from another planet, and now I'm green. I'm bothered by this because there are 20-plus active members of the Legion of Superheroes. Six of them, well, five of them, are out of action and somehow Superboy has to go to the one who is, who should be off the board, who then, rather than get some of his teammates together, goes and, and finds another team of heroes completely outside yeah. of the purview of the Legion. It Which, just, again, should be kind of a yes moment where he goes to the old, you know, the, the Legion headquarters has been destroyed and then we we pan in or we zoom in to a lone rocket ship turned upside down. And we discover that Brainiac five has gone to the Legion of substitute heroes and saying only your powers can be used to defeat the Legion of uh, super assassins. And of course you've got um, night girl who is, mm-hmm. you know, putting somebody, uh, you know, putting, yeah, when she's in the dark and of course making it uh, impossible to see for this person, you've got uh, wheelchair guy making it hard for him to see. So he crashes hysterically. Yes. It's always funny when someone who's in a wheelchair has an accident. Wah, wah, it is the 70s. Mm, that's uh, cruel. You've got somebody who's afraid of being caught on fire, so let's literally set her on fire. Right? It's just, it's mean, but it's also the kind of thing that only a super genius with no real morality could come up with, because this may be the most effective the Legion of Substitute Heroes have ever been. I would say this may be the most effective the entire Legion has ever been. I mean, they're going in for some cruel stuff like, um, you know, this, the guy that's all into light. I forget what his name is. Lazon. Uh, Lazon. He's like, Oh, I'm freaking out. Cause it's in the dark and I'm claustrophobic. Uh, uh, uh. And then she cracks him over the head. And then you've got yeah. uh, new tracks. Uh, who's like, I can't, I'm afraid of, uh, of everything. Uh, it's dark and I can't see. And then he crashes his wheelchair and he's out. And then you've got uh gigantor who's like, ah, I don't want to ever be caught on fire. And they literally set her on fire. Yes, Titania is, is literally on fire, and then Night Girl decks her so hard that her face turns around. I mean, that's that's kind of impressive that they're going that hardcore on on uh, taking down the villains. And then, of course, you've got Block that has just like read his uh, Sun Tzu and says the, there is no honor in, in fighting, so I must just uh, give up in defeat. He who sows the whirlwind will reap a harvest yeah. of pain. And then we, then we get the, the story of what happened to these guys. And yeah, it's actually really neat. And I, I have two questions about this one. Have you noticed that when polar boy is not in command, the Legion of substitute heroes 
is a really impressive group. Well, they've got Brainiac 5, who, again, as we just yeah. said, is a 12th level intellect. So, Sure. But I mean, Polar Boy is a 1.3 level intellect. And and secondly, uh, Pol- and I no, think, I think this Polar, is Boy is, Polar Boy is more of a 0.3 intellect. There's a second question for you about the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Okay. Where's Stone Boy? Uh, he is quietly standing in the corner because he sees that train coming and knows that Block is going to supercede him. And I you know the, the rule. Train coming. You can only have one superpower in uh, any uh, comic. And they've already the got a rock Steve dude. Yeah. yeah. So they've already got a rock dude, so you can't have another rock dude. So yeah, that's, that, that's how it works. Color Kid is in this issue briefly, too. And I'm like, what did he do? Nothing. But yeah. Stood around looking good. I have to admit, this is a really strong outing for the Substitute Heroes, which almost but not quite makes me forget that the story doesn't make a lick of sense. But with that whole fifth dimensional, I had a lung full of crystal meth from when we went to the nightclub. Yes, and I used my x-ray vision to put everyone into suspended animation, which doesn't make sense. Why not? I mean, if you have superhuman speed, why not just run in and remove them? Yeah. And then, you know, sneak attack. It's incredibly silly. And it's, well, it's, well, that gets into the problems of any kind, any time that you have uh, super powered beings is that they can turn into the one trick. It's like, yes, I have super speed, so I will rush in and get these people out of the way. Well, that's kind of a that makes the story rather short if uh, Wally West can run in. And yeah. take everyone out of the danger and move them 5,000 miles away so that everyone has a moment to think about what they're going to do. And then he can run them back uh, two minutes later and have them defeat uh, yeah. every, everything that's going on. Or I should say excess, since we're talking about Legion of Superheroes. Well, I um, mean, there's other Legion Superheroes, f- fasty characters, I'm sure. Nah, just excess. Man has super speed fast. Eh, not as fast as excess. Okay. Yeah. You know what I you know what I do have? This is a very important question. Can you look for me at the cover of oh, uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number two fifty four? Yeah. Right under the Whitman logo? Yeah. Who do you see frozen in that hunk of ice? That is um uh who is that? Uh, Phantom Lass? No, not Phantom Shadow Lass. Lass. That's Shadow Lass. Yep. You have trouble every once in a while calling Shadow and yeah. Phantom Girl the same person. The editors seem to as well because the cover and the roll call references shadow lass right but the art and the story as we saw last issue actually features phantom girl right somebody got confused when they put together this issue and and which is interesting interesting to me well it is interesting because and yeah because even shadow lass doesn't even do anything in in this because she's you know suspended animation and it's uh night lass that does all of night the girl, yeah. yeah night night girl they're all night dark whatever uh they're all you know using their power so yeah it's really weird that she would be in here with that yeah. except except here's the thing yeah and here's the reason one of the things that people need to remember is that when it comes to any kind of product or marketing sex sells so if you want to titillate people with this uh, desire to i must obtain this comic book you put the blue lady who wears very little clothing on the cover as opposed to Phantom Lass who wears basically a white disco suit all the time, even though she has pigtails and looks cute and innocent. And she does have some some side cuts in the up up the side of her costume. It's not as revealing as a shadow lass is. And so when you're a young child, 13, 12, however old you are, and you're starting to feel those feelings 
um, you know, the girl in the white costume isn't going to be as uh, uh, exciting to you as the blue girl in the barely there bikini. And I'm going to bet that that's why that is there on the cover, on the cover specifically. Now, why they messed messed up the roll call, I have no idea. They're probably uh, too busy drawing horns onto uh, Timberwolf. It was 1979. You can't even say the word titillate in 1979. Ah, six L's. You know what else is important about this issue? I don't know. This is like the sixth consecutive issue with the incredibly boring RJ brand is broke crap. Yeah. And again, hovering in the background, you've kind of mentioned that before and we've talked about it before is that, Oh, boring. I think DC is really trying. And there are books that are out there uh, that talk about the battles between Marvel and DC, especially at this time with DC really trying to figure out, well, why is Marvel so popular? And at one point they're like, well, maybe it's the color of the cover. And so let's change the covers. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe it is, um, you know, the the way that they have these cliffhanger things, which we've talked about, which I think is really important for comic books to be ongoing, even though I'm very happy with done in ones. Uh, But then also it's like, well, maybe they, you know, Marvel has this thing where we plant these little seeds going on where, you know, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son comes back from space and there's this little black thing hanging off. And all of a sudden uh, it's moving around town and then we, you know, we get Venom introduced eventually. Um, But it's these little things that are adding up little by little. And I can't help but wonder if this R.J. Brand thing is one of those let's lay the seeds of this so that in 10 issues or whatever it is we'll get the full reveal of what exactly is going on and up oh, it turns out that brainiac 5 has been shuffling his accounts into a unmarked account so that uh, he okay. could force rj brand to reveal himself to be a derlin you know i will say this i feel like your theory has merit if it weren't for the fact that this is the fourth time we've seen the same thing we know this. We've seen R.J. We Brand accepting that he's right. Broke. So remember the first time and that the we story saw it. is now like the Legionnaires going, "Oh no, he's broken." Right. Just, so it's it feels repetition. like it's yes, repetition, it is repetition, repetition. It is, but think about each time. The first time that we do it, uh, it's R.J. Brand revealing it to himself. Oh my gosh, my bank account says that I am broke. Ha! Huh, this can't be. I am the richest man in the world. I refuse to believe this. Then the next time that this is brought up. It's the United Planets IRS who's showing up and saying, R.J. Brand, you don't have any money. You're broke. And he's like, ah, this can't be happening. And then we reveal now to the Legion of Superheroes who have already gone to the United Planets and said, please rebuild this new building. They're like, we don't have the funds. We don't have the time. Okay, fine. We'll go to R.J. Brand. And now R.J. Brand is kind of reiterating what we already know, but the Legion doesn't know. I'm broke and I don't have any money barely to keep this planetoid alive, let alone the 15,000 people on my staff uh, who are catering to my every whim. Um, I'm sorry, I can't rebuild you a headquarters right now, which to me, by the time that that is revealed to the Legion, and I haven't read further on uh, in this in this particular storyline, but to me that feels like the Legion is either going to, A, return to the um, their original Legion headquarters, which would make sense because it's like, hey guys, uh, Legion of Substitute Heroes, we know that you're using our clubhouse, but this was our clubhouse to begin with, Please let us come in and use this. We're taking it back. Yes, because we're jerks. Or we need to find a new clubhouse. Oh, guess what? We have a a cobbled together spaceship that we can use and we can now be outer space headquarters people. It just feels like those kinds of things are kind of setups in in this kind of a storyline. You know, they have to figure out they have to figure out some clever way of having a Legion HQ 
without mm-hmm. having a Legion HQ. And so it, it feels like one of those moments where, you know, Sunnydale uh, or Sunnyvale, whatever it is, Sunnydale uh, gets blowed up real good. And Buffy and the rest of the Scoobs have to go live somewhere else. And that gives us a chance to shake things up a little bit. And I, I can definitely see that, but I feel like the part of the reason it doesn't fit for me in a Legion story is that they've never really articulated it, but the Legion kind of feels and has historically felt kind of like a, that Star Trek post scarcity society mm. with the exception of the fact that we keep going, Hey, RJ brand, richest man in the galaxy. We haven't ever seen money be a major factor. Yeah. And when we do, it's always for a short time, you know, it's like, Oh, uh, the United planet says they're not going to give us any money unless we fire somebody. Right. You know, it, it feels weird and awkward for the Legion after, you know, 20 years of this nonsense to suddenly be like, Oh my gosh, are we going to have to be fighting crime in Volkswagen Beetles? And the answer is yes, that would be hilarious. I mean, it would be, I mean, but we've seen that, right? I mean, we've seen that you've mentioned before Spider-Man, he goes from being poor to right. rich to having money and then suddenly being back to poor right. and we've got to kind of reset that clock and so maybe that's just what's going on here we'll find out in a couple of issues overall though i found this story even though i know you're very excited about the introduction of block i found this story to be very pedestrian not that pedestrian is a bad thing but i just yeah. found it to be very average i love block and this story is not the block that i love and the only thing about these two issues that really sticks in my craw, that sticks in my head, rather, that I'm like, ooh, what's this? Is that last page of, someday we'll have to track down this dark man. Yeah, yeah. A dark man. Dark man, you say. That's not weird and, and, man, and ominous at all. Man, I can't wait till Sam Raimi uh, makes that movie. Yeah, right? That'll be good. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. What did we learn this week? He learned that even if you're a superhero and your friend loses his mind, sometimes you have to count on him to help you move. And we also learned the origin of the Whitman head logo. And most importantly, we learned that President Boltax is once again wearing a wig. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us in the Legion Clubhouse. We are so happy to bring, to bring this show to you week after week. Well, not really week after week. It could be week after week, but we need a little bit more funding for that. Uh, But uh, thank you, everybody, for sticking around. Thank you for all the tweets. Thank you for all the follows. Thank you for all the great comments that everyone provides. And uh, we'll be back the next time. Uh, And until then, uh, I am uh, I'm broke and we need your help. Uh, Join us. Patreon man. (laughs) And I'm Werner Herzog. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.